This is the Light and Life Podcast. Patrick McNeil and Pastor Curtis Kofke join me today to tell their story about Community Roots, an initiative in Genesee County, Michigan to bring people of diverse races together to speak and be heard in ways that foster unity, empathy, and understanding. One such conversation happened at Cornerstone Community Church in Flushing, Michigan, where Curtis is the pastor. As divisiveness increases along social and political lines over these issues, the church can lead the way to diffuse and disarm the tension that keeps us from sharing life in love with one another. Share this podcast with your church and contact Community Roots for more information about a conversation in your own community. The links can be found in the show description. And now let's talk about how holy love can change the conversation. Well, welcome to today's podcast. I am welcoming two guests today for a great conversation about bridging the divide of race in East Michigan. I'm welcoming Pastor Curtis Kofke from uh, Cornerstone Community Church in Flushing, Michigan, and Patrick McNeil, who is a facilitator for a group called Community Roots. He also works with an action council in North Flint and um, does great things for the neighborhoods and the city of Flint in that region. Welcome to both of you. So glad to have you with us today. Good to be here, Brett. Thank you for having us, Brett. Awesome. So I, you had this event. I, I guess it's abbreviated. It was called Vent at Cornerstone Community Church in Flushing. And Pastor Curtis, why don't you tell me a little bit about how this came to be? I mean, it just seems funny that a church all of a sudden would say, hey, let's have this conversation about race. So how did this event come to be? Well, the event was happening before we even knew about it. Uh, Our superintendent, Brad Button, uh, for the East Michigan Conference, actually let me and some other pastors in the East Michigan Conference know about this event. And he basically provided information about his experience with what the um, Community Roots was doing around the area. And he gave his own experience. He said he went to a couple of them. I believe they were actually a virtual uh, experience for him. And he said this was by far the most gracious and assertive, mercy-filled conversation that could be had regarding race, racism, and change. And he said, I would never invite you to become part of something that would be more detrimental to your ministry. And so I invite you to be a part of something that would actually be a part of healing, knowing that even just talking about racism might stir people up but knowing that really this event was meant for the healing and for the unity of the body. So our superintendent was actually the catalyst of change for our church and uh, for this event to take place here. That's awesome. So Patrick, you're a facilitator for this group, Community Roots. I'm assuming that the superintendent, Brad Button, it was your group or you in particular that he witnessed. Tell me about your work with Community Roots and, um, and what you do. Sure, sure. So Community Roots, um, in, in the short version of it is, is that we're a community think tank who comes together to help identify issues in community and find ways to deal with them. Um, as we started our work, it all began around the idea of what happened to George Floyd, the gentleman who was killed in Minneapolis by police by simply saying he can't breathe. And because of that, me and three other guys who I, who I all grew up with, all of us are from the same zip code the 48505 zip code of Flint, which is the poorest, most economically devastated 
community in Flint. Yet we all have at least one master's degree. And, and, and we wanted to do something to stop our city from tipping over Amen. into what could potentially happen uh, when left unnoticed. And so we began this idea of saying we need to have courageous conversations around race. Uh, we were able to receive some funding from the Community Foundation, and we started doing our work. We went to the four quadrants of the city of Flint. And re remember, we are doing this in the midst of a pandemic. But the work was way more important. And so we went to the quadrants of the city and then we held a couple of virtual sessions for those people who didn't feel comfortable coming outside, people who didn't have the or the timing just wasn't right. And we began to have these just dialogues. And, and, and to be honest, a dialogue might be a misnomer for what it really is. It's really a really good listening session wrapped around some strategically placed questions about how we really got to this place. And how, what are some ways that we could potentially get out? And this, the vent was the first of many sessions. A lot of times we're not allowed to vent anymore. We're not allowed to share our frustration about things that are going on. And so we picked the name, the vent, not knowing that the word, the vent itself causes people consummation of uh, believing that all is going to be is a free for all uh, of anger and upsetness. But, um, Here's what I can say um, is what 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 happened with Brad is what happened to a lot of people is simply it isn't what you think it is. It literally is a structured way of beginning to take steps toward a better reality than the one we have right now. So I like the idea of a structured way and the fact that it's a guided conversation. So maybe help, uh, you know, both Curtis and Patrick help me through like what it looked like when you gathered people at, at Cornerstone Church in Flushing and what some of this guided conversation looks like, because I think so many of us are open to this. I just believe this, that there are people that are open to these conversations, but they need a way where we are engaging people in dialogue without shooting fiery darts across the bow at one another. And so I'm just, you know, if you can give us language or help us kind of paint a picture of what that day was like, I think it'll be highly beneficial to our listeners. Yeah. Um, from my experience, and, and then I'll caveat it also with my wife's, uh, I, I would say, expertise and vantage point, is that it was basically a research structure, an invitational model to be heard. And so this event was structured around, I believe, four main questions that invited people that were set up around different tables. I believe we had about just under 30 people attend the event, and we had about six people at each table. And uh, we were basically told from Patrick how the event was going to happen. We're going to listen to one another. We're not going to interrupt. We're going to ask these questions, and everyone's going to have time to respond. We're going to record your responses, and we're going to be showing these responses back to Genesee County to show them what the community is saying and how to move forward. And so uh, I don't want to steal the thunder of any of the questions, but it was an invitational model of, of just asking very specific questions that invited people in to answer them from their perspective. And I think that's what made this model work. It wasn't using the same language that we hear in our own homes. It isn't the same language that we hear on the news or on social media. Uh, the language that was used was an invitation for you to say, if racism really is an issue, then how do we fix it? 
And I mean, that wasn't specifically one of the questions, but that was basically how it was parsed out, was inviting everyone at each table to have a voice. And then it created camaraderie around that we really are in this together. So how do we make this better? And it, like you mentioned before, of course, racism is going to be a tumultuous conversation before you enter into it. I mean, the turmoil is happening in your spirit before you have the conversation. Uh, But what was such a blessing for me as a pastor was to see people from all sides of the political spectrum come together and all leave saying this was the opportunity that we needed to move forward together. And and so just broadly speaking and less specific about the actual questions, the process itself was just this invitation to speak and an invitation to be heard. And I think that brought a lot of healing and unity in our congregation. If we would have done it like the world did it, it probably would have caused more chaos than, than healing. And so I appreciated the, the wisdom from community roots and how they handled the, the conversation and the, and the questions themselves were full of wisdom. And, and, I think the biggest thing that helped this conversation is that it was done in the context of honor. There, there wasn't a context of shame. There wasn't a, a pointed finger of blame at anyone or anything. It was racism is an issue, and we all need to come together to figure this out. And because it was an honor-filled conversation, I mean, individually and as a setup, honor led the way for this conversation to be able to move forward. Yeah, and, and, and it's difficult. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say it, it's difficult for white people to have this conversation because in most cases, this is all they get. And for those who are listening, I'm pointing my finger is that you always get pointed at and blamed without the opportunity of just saying, OK, here's where we are. And so my dad told me there were three things you were never supposed to speak. on. Right. You're never supposed to speak about race, never supposed to talk about religion. And you definitely I'm not supposed to talk about politics, but for us to deal with the real elephant in the room, guess what you got to talk about? Race, religion and politics. But from a different standpoint, it isn't whether you are R or D It's literally how does your how does your your life and where you come from through your vantage point? How has it positioned you? To, to deal with these issues, even if you had to, about these questions around race. Yeah, for me as a pastor, it was, it was reframing the conversation. I mean, if the church is full of elephants and donkeys, we don't have room for the lion and the lamb. And he came to reform all of these camps. And so we weren't asking people to switch political camps. We were asking everybody to come where they were and ask that God would reform their own circles. And, and I think that's what was most powerful is that this following after Christ, I mean, as, as a pastor, uh, I'm inviting people to follow after Christ, right? No matter where they are, what vantage points they have. And I know when we meet with a holy God, my only response is, is going to be repentance eventually. Because yeah. he's holy, he's loving, and his loving kindness leads me to repentance And then I remember that he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And repentance wasn't about changing a political aisle. It was about this inward, outward transformation that will affect the community. And uh, so this this invitational model, I mean, it definitely scared people right away when I even said the word race in the congregation. Uh, And just to tell everybody that's listening in, 
I had to host at least five different one-on-one really hard conversations in my office. But the beautiful thing is this, when people came in, even with trepidation, and was able to sit down with me and we talked through why this is important, we left on the same page. Because anybody that's sincere about following after Christ has to be reminded in Second Corinthians talking about we are ministers of reconciliation, that you have been reconciled to God and that you are reconciled to one another. And that's the invitation. And one of the words that I spoke to the church is that the world often knows what is wrong in the world, but it doesn't offer the right solution. And so we hear the cries of those who are being oppressed and afflicted, no matter what the situation is. And we come in as a church saying, we have good news. And so we are able to offer that good news, especially in the context of racism, because we do have hope, we do have strength, and we do have a way forward. And I think it's really admirable um, and quite interesting that both from your backgrounds to bring it together. So for our listeners to understand, so Patrick comes from North Flint. Patrick, you've told us that's the most impoverished zip code in Genesee County. And then we have Curtis, who's pastoring in Flushing, Michigan, which I don't know about momentarily today, but at least traditionally has been one of the most affluent zip codes in Genesee County. And so you're bridging this conversation and this divide across monetary lines, across race lines, across community lines that typically don't mix in Genesee County, which is really an amazing, amazing feat. So Patrick, I'm going to ask you to jump in now. Can you let us into what some of these conversations and questions are and kind of how how these get facilitated? Well, even if I told you the questions, it wouldn't have the same spirit of it. But what I will tell you is this, bringing four, four black guys into all white spaces usually, usually makes people scratch their head. And so, <laughs> and so what we ended up doing, we actually ended up all bringing our spouses. So, so instead of it being four men, it was actually four men, four women, um, all, all Christ lovers. But, but, mm-hmm. but that was neither here nor there because we do these, we do these repairs regardless of someone's belief or unbelief. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to reach those who are lost. And I've learned that loss come in all shapes and sizes. So what, what I would say is this. The opportunity to be heard is something that's not done enough. Having had the chance to stand in a pulpit and launch out at people, it's easy for you to just to regurgitate the things that the Lord has put on your heart, making sure that you are ecumenically sound and that you're your, 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 your exegesis don't become eisegesis and that you're able to speak the word of God plainly and clearly as the spirit has given it to you. But a lot of times because of that approach, we don't always get to see the feedback. We don't, we don't continue the loop. We don't allow the, the feedback to come back in. And so while they may have heard it, the application of it, may not be the or the experiential person portion of it. You may never know. Right. And so what this what these conversations and this is just the first step of five of, of bringing people into a deeper understanding, because at the end of the day, if all we did was just say we did the vent sessions, what we would find out is that it was a good talk. But if we don't come back and develop common language, if we don't come back and, and, and begin to deal with think tanking, 
If we don't come back and then do some type of strategic appraisal and finally coming up with a playbook on how we're going to attack these issues coming forward, then what we've done is we started a good conversation, but we left them. We, we, we preached a good Bible study, uh, but we didn't follow up the next week and say, so who applied that to their life? And so for me, just knowing the word isn't enough, according to James. He said, he said you have to be a doer of that same word that you know. And so for me, that's what we try to bring. How do we help people activate that part of themselves that for too long they may not have even had to deal with? And so the beauty for us is we were able to do it inside of the city of Flint proper, and we were also able to do it outside. So what I would say is this, it is a great opportunity to get to know people, people to get to know you. And at the end of the day, there was not one session that we held that all of us weren't spread out across the entirety of, of the folks there having conversations, some deeper than others, but about how do we continue to go forward? Amen. So, Pastor Curtis, what, what have been some of the ways forward you've noticed since the day of the event at, uh, at Cornerstone Community Church? To echo a little bit, to use that church language, I'm a pastor, I can't get away from it. Uh, to echo a little bit what Patrick was saying is, is I think we've heard for a long time that we need to be quick to listen, but we memorize it. We haven't done that. For me, I mean, I had family members come. I had, of course, other staff come. I have people that are near and dear to my heart from this congregation come. And uh, I think one of the most deep penetrating things that happened for me to observe was for people to continue to ask hard questions. Well, if this is what is being said, then why? And it gave people the permission to ask. And so many conversations regarding race don't happen in a public forum where they can actually be answered. So many times I have found out, especially in white conservative circles, we ask one question and then we leave it alone. You know, why, why is voter ID an issue? Why is, and we bring up any racial construct question where we don't have understanding and then we leave it alone because of a lack of understanding and because it's so tied to our political frameworks. This event, as far as what I saw as fruit, gave people permission to ask sincere questions, not baited ones. It transformed our heart from wanting to lead people into positions of defensiveness and attack into sincerity. Because I think most times when we talk about racism, there is a sincerity that is there of wanting it to be away, wanting it to go away. But the language we've been taught, the language we've observed has been so married into political affiliation, we get defensive or we start attacking. And this event showed us a new way. It was that third way. It got rid of the either-or paradigm. And it was, we can actually enter into this with humility, and every question gets to be asked in sincerity. Mm. And because that posture, and I think Patrick did a wonderful job setting up, even before any questions were asked, he gave the rules and guidelines. <laughs> and, and I think so often as leaders, we forget that we actually do have the power to dictate how people ought to respond to one another. And we don't even have to say, thus saith the Lord at the end of it. 
we, we can say, here's basic principles of listening and honoring one another. And this is how we're going to host this conversation. And so I was able to listen, as Patrick said, after the event was done. I don't think it ever stopped. I mean, really, people went home. But it was, it was a seed that birthed uh, a new way of moving forward in conversation. And I, to be honest, as a pastor, the conversation of the people that came to the event is so much different than the people who didn't. And I, and I mean wow. that. Uh, wow. Because there are some people that were so afraid to come thinking it would cause more division instead of healing. But the people that came come talk to me differently now. And probably the same questions, totally different posture. And I think the posture is what will change how we move forward. I mean, I'm a track coach, right? So form matters. I look at posture all of the time. And to me, it was like getting ready in the blocks, getting ready to, to fire out. And the people who came to the event are more prepared to launch out into actually operating the way we were meant to. And the people who didn't come might have questions about running, but they're not getting in the blocks yet. And, and it's, it's a posture of arrogance. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to call that right out. Uh, it's a posture of arrogance and fear. Um, and, and the people who came were humble enough to listen. And uh, I think they were actually surprised to know that they were honored too and, and being able to ask these sincere questions. So uh, that's, that's the fruit of what I see as, as a pastor in, in my particular congregation, that those who came have a different posture. Uh, they're a little bit uh, slower to speak, uh, not out of um, apathy, uh, but out of wisdom. You know, there is a time to speak and there's a time to listen. And, and it's not an apathetic listening anymore uh, for those that came. Hey, Pastor, I remember after one of the sessions, a guy comes up to me and tells me, say, Patrick, you wrong. And I said, what I do? And he said, I came here ready for bear. I had my muzzle loader on. I came here ready to argue about why I was right. But the problem was you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask me the question I wanted to be asked. <laughs> and so literally it was those things where he said he had to shake his head and he said this is definitely not what I thought I was coming to because simply put people are not used to the fact that you can actually talk to people and you can have a conversation and then afterwards you can still eat the good pizza that was there that that that, that it doesn't it doesn't us prevent us from understanding that we're not going to get this done because racism is a social construct Right. And, and that's the part that makes it even more difficult. Right? This this was a construct that was constructed in a place that some call near and dear. It was constructed in America. It wasn't constructed before then. It wasn't it wasn't a biblical issue. As we would try to make it now, as some some tried to whitewash Christianity, this construct was something that came out of America, this idea of race. And, and it, it was done in a manner that it. For 400 plus years, we've been trying to live in it and people still struggle with it on both sides of the issue. But yet we have to believe that there is a pathway out. One of my co-facilitators, Sylvester Jones, always uses this thing. And, and, and it has been a mantra that we picked up. You can only walk with someone as fast as they desire to go. Mm. So you have to be willing to walk slow with someone, not leave them, walk slow with someone as they pick up their pace. 
to do the things that need to be done. Otherwise, you'll leave them, and you'll leave somebody who really could have been beneficial to the change that we want to see. I think there's something to be said about the structure of it. I mean, in passing, Patrick mentioned the pizza. Uh, there, there's uh, something that we do in church, which is over-religiousized stuff. And I, if that's not a word, I just made it one. <laughs> and uh, where communion and community were always meant to be together. And whenever you break bread, we ought to give thanks. And we had food available. That was the very first thing we did. We had all the tables set up. It was banquet style. I mean, there were tablecloths, centerpieces. Uh, we made it look nice because, again, this is an honoring conversation. This is an invitation of honor. And so we were able to sit down, have some food, spend time with one another, all knowing, I mean, there, there really was, I had no idea what this was going to be look like, to be honest. And so many, many listeners are probably thinking, well, I want to know what it looks like. I had no idea either. Right. I, I truly went on the trust of my superintendent. And um, so I'm sitting there with a little bit of uh, anxiety, a little bit of like, Lord, we've been praying. Uh, this better go really well. And we had food and that helped. There was music playing in the background. Uh, they brought in their own speaker uh, to play the music, Bluetooth. And Patrick was so nice. He's like, you know what? I've learned enough. Let the hosts play their own music. <laughs> so he let me play some music and have the microphone ready for announcements. And, and what was nice is we started the atmosphere with fellowship and then it didn't ever turn into this old paradigm of, of like this professional divide, you right. know, all of a sudden it is a professional switch wasn't turned on. Patrick was Patrick. I was Curtis. We were all members of the community, and we got to host a conversation on a level playing field. And uh, so the structure of it, I think, mattered a lot. And so uh, all the hosts bringing in their families, uh, families in the congregation. I mean, we had kids come, right? And I think that's a part of the atmosphere, too. This was a, I think sometimes churches over family-friendly things uh, and, and steer away from hard conversations. But because this was an honoring conversation, Kids were able to come in, and they actually participated. Uh, what I find amazing as a pastor is the wisdom that youth have from their perspective. And sometimes uh, living in this world for so long, we become blind to what we're used to. Mm -hmm. And having the advice of youth coming in and being able to speak in such a, uh, a hard issue, uh, culturally speaking, not biblically speaking, but culturally speaking, um, it, it softened the palate a little bit. Uh, for us to be able to hear and to honor and, and to not just say, oh, that's cute, you'll understand one day, but to say, we have some blind spots, what do you see? And uh, some of the youth that came, they felt honored because they were heard. They weren't dismissed as being too young. And I think there's a lot to say that, uh, that when you invite everybody to the table, uh, it, it helps you understand that you aren't the only voice that needs to be heard. Amen. Wow, this is, it sounds really good. I still wish I could just get one of those questions, Patrick. You're killing <laughs> me here. I was, hey, listen, hey, this is how you go get a question, Brett. Because of this, we know that somebody is going to give us a call. First, they're going to call Superintendent Brad, or they're going to call Pastor Curtis, and they're going <laughs> to say, well, you, are, you, are you serious about this? And when they see the sincerity that will come from our brothers in Christ, they're going to ask us to come out. And, Brett, here's my promise to you. The yeah. next time we do a vent session, you will have a front row seat at that session, and you'll be able to switch spots with Pastor Curtis and tell people that, yes, 
the way that we go about doing our business, everything is thoughtful. Everything is thought through Mm -hmm. and everything is done with one goal in mind. And that's just to begin a conversation that no one really wants to have. Right. It's really the, it, it truly is the elephant in the room that nobody wants to have. It's easy. I've heard people say it this way. It's easy to people to say that it is sin that is causing racism in the country, right? That's an easy word. The problem becomes when you realize that the sin is yours. Right. When our blind spots are uncovered and pastor Curtis, I like when you talk about that, like what blind spots do we have? I think that so many people that have these reactions, well, so many white people, let's be honest, that have these reactions that I'm not a racist, I'm not part of the problem, and I can hear them saying that. I've known people who've said that, and I've said that myself at times in my life. It is that we have blind spots. We do not understand uh, the conditions under which other people live, the lived experiences of other people. We do not understand. And so, Patrick, have you seen in all of the different sessions that you've done I mean, kind of like what happens when people have to come to terms with their blind spots and they see things finally for, for what they are that they've never encountered before? Have you seen that happen in, in your events? Absolutely. And, and that's why um, while the event, we actually just rolled into the event from off of just breaking bread, but we really never told everybody goodbye because when we were done, that's when those conversations were happening. That's when people were asking those real difficult, hard questions of saying, here's what I've, I've been wrestling with and how do I deal with it? Because it wasn't my job to try. One of the things we tell people is I, my job is not to fix you. My job is to open up, open you up and allow you to take your own inner journey. Right. That's one of our touchstones. And, 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 and so, it's allowing somebody to have the space and offering them the grace to be open and honest, knowing that you won't judge, them. knowing that if you see them at the grocery store, you're still going to speak to them and knowing that 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 there is more yet to come. And so I think that sometimes allowing people or being that being open so that people can be honest in itself is a gift. Because too often, and, and, and particularly in church, we, we don't like talking about what, again, for some reason, I'm, I'm in a James type of mood today. <laughs> we, we don't talk about the things that we have going wrong in our life. We don't bring our issues to the beloved because we're scared that the beloved are going to judge us. But in this space, we, we, the work that we do And that I would tell anyone who is interested is that we're non-confrontational, non-judgmental, and and that the goal of this isn't to do any of those things. It literally is to begin a conversation that will end with change. I love the The word that was opens people up to their own inner journey. That just really struck a huge chord with me because that in that lets a person deal with themselves and the Lord on their own journey of discovery of what's going on. We tend to forget in our, in our spiritual life that there are sins of commission and there are also sins of omission. 
It's not just a bad thing that we do. It is the good or better thing that we ignore or turn a blind eye to. And there are those blind spots, right? So I love the fact that you open that up and that it really does become an inner journey. So thank you, Patrick. That would, that just hit me. I really like that. Because it, it really is that because in reality, this journey with Christ is just that. While I love having a body of believers that I can come to and I can rejoice with, the true part of my, 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 my goal and my role with God is that it is me and it is he. And that we get to sojourn together and we get to walk down the street and, and that he gives me this awesome promise when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even though I might leave him and I might forsake him. He never turns that on to me. He always makes himself available so that when that opportunity for change happens, he's right there. And he's and he's he's rejoicing with me, not talking about me. And that's what and that's what this work is for me. It is how do I begin to rejoice with people on the changes that we all can make versus talking about people and nothing ever changing. And we end up where we are right now, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. Patrick, does Community Roots have a website, a place where people can go to learn more about what you do? Absolutely. We, we actually partner with the Northland Neighborhood Action Council, and you can, you can find us on the website at www.northflintnac.org, N-O-R-T-H-F-L-I-N-T, N as in Nancy, A as in Apple, C as in Charlie, .org. Or you can give me a call at 810-219-9515. Would love to talk to anyone about the potential of bringing courageous conversations. And we do other types of dialogues as well. We, we've been working with the police on dealing with some issues around justice. We've worked with some uh, university uh, folks on dealing with some just some actual conversations and dialogues, trying to bring others into the space. We, we do some just specifically for young people so that they can feel comfortable and that we can meet them where they are. But like Pastor Curtis said, at the tables that we sit, young people can join us because they have something valuable to bring, and it's their perspective. And that's all we ask anybody to bring is just their perspective. Amen. Well, thank you for sharing that. We will definitely put that contact information in the show notes that go along with this in the show description so that people can have a, a link to click right there and um, go to your website and reach out and contact you. So, Pastor Curtis, um, what would you say to pastors or our people in the Free Methodist Church that are listening to this, or others, hopefully the, the others listening to this, what would you say to them uh, if they're wondering, boy, I just don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I mean, the invitation is a transformation. And it's, it's one of those things where I know the fear is causing more chaos. Um, the helpful illustration that I've, I've come to, I'm, I'm a visual person, is, is a curtain. And when there's chaos going on behind the curtain, there are some people that think opening up the curtain is what's causing the chaos. And they're afraid that as soon as you talk about something that is chaotic, you're actually going to do more damage than good. But what I have found is that 
by confession and revelation, then you can be healed. And so as, as far as a pastor, I mean, the theological framework of talking about racism, so this is not to counter what Patrick is saying at all. It actually goes with it. This is not innately an American issue. It is a sin issue that has impacted the framework of America. So we speak specifically to this American problem because of the sin issue that's been fleshed out. So as a pastor, uh, we can move beyond a huge theological framework into the iterations of what sin looks like in our communities. And we can't be afraid of calling people to repentance. Calling people to repentance is our main job. And if we're not going to be calling people to repentance on this issue, we're going to be, to call it out like the bishops did years and years ago, we're going to be like the 1960s Free Methodist Church that kind of took a sideline to the civil rights movement, and then we had to repent of it later. I would rather repent in the midst of sin than to look back with even heavier sorrow. Mm. Uh, there was a word I heard the other day that, that talked about when the spirit moves, he gives you the wind to give power for your repentance, and there's an ease to it. And if you don't repent in that moment, you will be asked to do the same thing, but with 10 times more effort. And we have an opportunity right now to operate in the breath of the Spirit in this call of repentance. Because we're still going to be asked to repent of this no matter what. But further on down the line, it's going to take 10 times more effort. And so as, as a pastor, um, it was without knowing much about the event, I was praying for wisdom. I was praying that there would be a third way. I mean, Jesus, do we pay taxes or not? Well, whose face is on it, right? Do we walk the mile with the Roman soldier or not? And, and we so often ask questions in either or paradigms, and Jesus always offered the third way. And so without me even knowing the questions that were going to be set up and, and navigated through, I kept praying that there would be a third way, there would be a different way. The world knows the pain. They don't know the solution. And I, I can tell you, I know I'm asking people to trust. I know Patrick is asking us to trust, and, and there's – there's a huge part of me that wants to tell you the first question, but there's, there's, a, there's a big part of this uh, navigating together that is based on trust. And guess what? Trust is earned because there, there are some people that cannot be trusted uh, that will take even good intentions and manipulate it. And uh, so as a pastor, um, I had to host a lot of hard conversations beforehand. I uh, hosted a lot of good conversations afterward as well that were also difficult, but I can tell you that they were good. Difficult doesn't equal bad. And, uh, and so we were able to navigate this difficult road, answering as much as we could in sincerity. And, and the big thing for me is, is the posture of humility, uh, saying, saying we, I don't have all of the answers, but I trust the one who does. And we're going to learn together with brothers and sisters who are navigating the same life with us. And, and I know that my God is a God that wants to give more life and wants to uh, disentangle us from the ways that are tripping us up. And this is such an opportunity for us to be disentangled uh, with the way that the world operates and, and the way that we've become accustomed to blindness. And uh, when, when the blind receives sight, I can tell you that sometimes it's a painful process. Like if somebody just turned on the lights and you've been in a dark room for a long time, your immediate response isn't praise the Lord. 
it's turn off the lights. <laughs> I mean, it, it hurts right away. But as you're in a community of love, revelation doesn't just stick in pain. Um, John 3, just to get a little preachy, everybody knows Jesus and Nicodemus, and they know 3.16, and then it continues that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So many people are afraid of condemnation in regard to this conversation to racism, forgetting that's not what Jesus is planning on doing when he brings up sin. Conviction is so totally characteristically different uh, than condemnation. And then he goes on to say, I mean, really, we're the weird ones. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Everything, every deed will be exposed by the light, whether you come into it will, willfully or not. But in repentance, because of the context of love, we know it is better to be exposed in the context of love than to run away and then be convicted of our crime. And so we willfully step into the light to be exposed in order to be cleansed from all of our unrighteousness. So that is my encouragement uh, for pastors, for myself, to continue to be exposed by that holy love. That is well said, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, I know we could continue this uh, all day, honestly, but Patrick, Pastor Curtis, thank you so much for joining me today and just for opening yourself up, sharing about uh, the wonderful way forward that everyone can be a part of. And so, again, we will put your contact information in the show notes. Just appreciate this. And, Patrick, I hope you get some phone calls from this. <laughs> hey, I hope I too, Brett. I got to hurry up and get you there. Plus, I, Pastor Barry, I still owe you a hamburger. <laughs> I got to say, it was a beautiful thing that you said. It's, you know, you start by breaking bread. I'm just going to add this because, you know, um, it's kind of hard to be mad with people that you're just sitting there having a good meal with. And when you start with that and it opens up our hearts and opens up our minds, it just can open up the, the way for so much more. I just want to thank you, Patrick, and just speak words of honor over you for the work you're doing in North Flint and for the work you're doing with Community Roots. And same thing, Pastor Curtis, for you for being brave enough to step into the space not knowing. Um, and now the wisdom that is even coming from you as you're speaking here, both of you, um, just thank you. A gracious thank you for the work you're doing in Michigan and beyond. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Brett. It's our honor, Brett. Thank you. You can find more information about Community Roots at northflintnac.org people. I'm Brett Heinzman, and for all of us at Light and Life, thanks for listening in.